got really good news. I'm not preaching today. <laughs> and uh, we have, uh, we thought Mother's Day, we have the quintessential mother. Yeah, I know you wouldn't want me to say any of that. <laughs> no, really, um, the Limbs have just been an amazing family in our church. You, those of you who have children know how Leah in particular has served our our kids and our families over these years uh, done just a remarkable job with such a servant heart. And we thought it would be great if you could actually hear her talk and, uh, and share the things that are on her heart. I've already got a glimpse of the things that she wants to talk about and I think they're gonna be very encouraging for us. So if we could please pray for her. Father, we thank you so much for Leah. We thank you for the deposit that you've put in her heart, a mother's heart, uh, your heart. And so I ask that you would give her the freedom to be able to express those things, that you would give us the ability to hear from her and from you, and that because of this time together, we would feel closer to you, closer to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Quintessential. That's a good word. <laughs> All right. So hello. Thank you for allowing me. I know you had nothing to do with the decision, but <laughs> here I am. Thank you for being here on a very warm afternoon. Um, I realize I might be battling the afternoon sleepiness in this heat, but um, I'll call you out if I notice that you're sleeping. So, um, <laughs> so before I start, some of you might be wondering, who is this girl and why does she get to be up there? Well, firstly, I will clarify. I am much older than I look, um, thanks to my mom for the good skin genetics. Um, she's here. <laughs> so uh, if being older helps me gain some credibility, then there you go. And as for preaching, well, um, that does seem like a big deal, and so I was not willing to agree to that, but I did agree to sharing what God put on my heart and what he's doing in my life. So there you go, no preaching, just sharing. So now that I've proven my qualifications, I thought it would be good to share, actually share a little bit about myself because you maybe are like, who is this girl? Kids Church, yes, you know. Well, if you've been part of this church for a while, um, maybe you've seen me around, uh, perhaps you've seen me downstairs with the kids, or perhaps you've seen me up here talking about Kids Church ministry and asking you to be a part of it. The offer still stands, talk to me afterwards. Um, <laughs> It's worth it. Um, <laughs> I've been coming to ENV for nearly 20 years. Mm -hmm. You might think that means I've been coming since I was a baby, but I assure you I am older than I look. Um, and <laughs> so I heard about this church um, uh, from friends who I knew from summer camp on Anvil Island. And so I knew about it when it was a church plant. And the people that I knew who went to this church really loved Jesus. And so I thought, I'm going to check it out. And I happened to be moving to Vancouver from Salt Spring Island um, when I was 21. Um, I am an island girl at heart. So I have a deep love for lakes, trees, organic produce, and essential oils. And... <laughs> Thankfully, the island girl remains, um, but apparently God had plans for me to live in the big city. Um, so in September of 2003, I moved out here, and my very first Sunday, I came to the river. Don't know if you know that's what it was called. 
Um, and re almost right away, I actually came late because I think I thought it started at 6.30 and it started at 6. So we walked in, the sermon was already happening and I just knew like by the end of that sermon, I was like, wow, this is, this is my church. <laughs> so, and I've stayed apparently, obviously. So um, a couple years into that journey, um, I married one of my friends who I knew from this summer camp, Nate Lim. Um, some of you might know him if you don't. Um, maybe you've seen him around. He serves as uh, one of the elders in our church. He is also a longtime faithful and very fun kids church leader. So I'm grateful to have him on my team in every way. <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, our family photo. We have kids of our own as well. And these are them. And we always look this beautiful. So <laughs> just in case, um, it's not a professional photo. It's just very candid. Um, so we have our daughter, Eliana. She just turned 14. And then our son, Elijah, is 12 years old. And our daughter, Adeline, is nearly 10. So yeah, now you can, you can for sure do the math and guess my age by now. So anyway. Um, you can see why maybe I was given the opportunity to share with you on Mother's Day. And of course, it is very intimidating to be given an opportunity to share on a day like this, one that tends to bring up all the emotions. So I don't know if it brings up emotions for you, joy, pain, sadness. Um, perhaps you have a hard relationship with your mother. Um, perhaps your mother is no longer alive and you grieve that loss and wish you could see her on a day like today. Perhaps you are a mother and the struggle is real. Whether your children are little and you're exhausted <laughs> or they're older and maybe you feel like the ship has sailed and um, your efforts haven't been good enough. The mom guilt is real. Uh, perhaps you've longed to be a mother and it hasn't panned out for you. Um, perhaps you grieve the loss of a child and what could have been. Um, there are so many scenarios, um, and you may find yourself in one that I haven't even mentioned, but I just wanted to acknowledge, acknowledge those, and, um, and I believe that as Christians in moments like this, um, we get to decide how we're going to respond, and so I think it's an opportunity to reflect, be honest about where we're at, but also to look to God and ask Him what He would say to us today. Um, and what he would say to us in it all. So I just wanted to start by praying with all that in mind. <sighs> Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine. Um, thank you for the gift of being together today as a spiritual family. Um, thank you for Mother's Day. Each of us here today were born <laughs> by a mother of some kind in some way. Um, we all have our own stories and our all own experiences of motherhood, and we are all in need of your mercy and grace, your redemption and your hope. Whatever the scenario um, and however we've shown up today, I thank you that you see us each individually, personally. You long to reveal yourself to us and speak to us, so we invite you to do that. We ask that, yeah, you would reveal yourself by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, um, when Pastor Greg asked me if I'd be willing to do the sermon on Mother's Day, my first thought was, Mother's Day? 
Did you get the date right? Um, that doesn't seem like a very good way to spend Mother's Day. What about my Mother's Day dim sum? And maybe a walk around Stanley Park or a mani-pedi. Um, when I was wrestling with the idea um, and asked God, of course, he said, you should do this, a.k.a. you do this. <laughs> okay, Lord. So he asked me to lay down this day and serve him. Um, and that's part of where the theme of today's message came from. Um, so motherhood. What is the best way to describe motherhood? Death to self. <laughs> um, sounds fun, right? <laughs> of course, there are many other wonderful ways to describe motherhood, but if I'm being very honest, um, then I would say that being a mother has taken me to the end of myself. This might sound harsh or sad, but it's actually good news. I believe that we all need to die to ourselves in order to experience being filled by God's spirit and living for him. But so far in my life, I think motherhood takes the cake, <laughs> has tested me beyond any other thing in my life. So um, in case you're not a mother, for starters, um, pregnancy, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> You literally have to surrender your body to this unpredictable process of growing another human inside of you. Some people get very nauseated or sick. You're very tired. You get all kinds of weird symptoms, not to mention carrying around up to 30 plus pounds in your abdomen, which is moving kind of like a little alien, you know, stepping on your bladder and poking you in the lungs. Um, it's a fun time altogether. <laughs> fascinating, humbling, and terrifying. When we were pre preparing for our first baby, Eliana, um, I was excited to become a mother I had always wanted to be. Um, I felt keenly aware of the need to die to myself. I can't recall if I was actually given this advice, but I believed it would be harder to adapt to motherhood if I was concerned with hanging on to my own life and the way things were. Um, then I wouldn't be worried about what I was missing out on and what had changed um, and the way life used to be. So I was determined to give up everything for the sake of this child and devote my life to raising her life. I thought this would be the crowning achievement of motherhood, what it's all about. I think I did have the right idea mostly. I was totally committed to figuring out how to best parent Eliana, if not obsessed. <laughs> Whether it be sleep habits, breastfeeding, bonding with her, I devoured books, um, I had conversations, I sought advice from other moms. My whole world revolved around this baby. The problem that I discovered a few months into this journey of motherhood was that I had done a pretty good job of dying to myself, but I also felt like I had lost myself. I started to have a bit of an identity crisis. Even though I had always wanted to be a mom, now I was only a mom. When things were hard with Eliana and didn't go according to plan, I struggled to be okay. It took many months before I realized that my identity had shifted to being in Eliana and not in Jesus. So if she wasn't doing well, then I wasn't doing well. And if our parenting approaches were not working well, then I was clearly a failure. I thought I had figured out how to die to myself, but I wasn't living by faith in Jesus. I wasn't looking to him to define me and make me secure 
My eyes were not fixed on Jesus, they were fixed on Eliana. <laughs> and my ability to be a good mother or what I thought that looked like. So you may not be a mother um, and able to relate to my specific example, but I wonder, and I'm pretty sure, if you have had a season of your life, or many, that have caused you to ask questions like, who am I? What makes me special? What's my purpose? What is all of this for? What am I supposed to do with my life? Um, what defines me? Our world is, is pretty preoccupied with figuring out how to define ourselves. Maybe you're a student studying to become a nurse or a teacher. Maybe you're an athlete or an artist or musician. Maybe you're established in your career and it's going great. Um, or maybe you're struggling and you're trying to find a way out of your career because you don't love it. I think we can all relate in some way that we tend to be defined by what we do with our time, what we care about, what profession we have, how much money we make or will make or hope to make <laughs> or don't make, how much influence we have. When I was a teenager, it was all about the friends I had, popularity, parties. Um, I won't share too much about that now, but it is an eventful story. I'd be happy to share more another time with you. Um, God has been graciously revealing himself to me over many years, but I struggled with the idea, as a teenager, I struggled with the idea of letting go of myself to follow him, even though there were the years leading up to this point. I didn't want to give up all the fun things that I thought following Jesus meant uh, I would have to give up. That sounded boring, no fun city. Um, <laughs> I like having fun, who doesn't? So I, believe, I believed God existed and that Jesus died on the cross and everything, but I struggled to trust that I could fully surrender my whole self and my whole life to him. I was hanging on to my life um, and doing what most pleased me, hoping to still just have the benefit of like believing in God. Um, I recall coming to the point of full surrender. There was a dramatic moment when I was 16 years old, sitting on the beach with my sister, crying a lot. Um, she was trying to help me figure out how to live in a way that honored God, because I was... God had graciously brought me to that point. Um, I was torn. I realized that all the things I was hanging on to were actually dragging me down. I couldn't be free until I needed, I couldn't be free until I let go and surrendered it all to Jesus. For me at that time, I needed to let go of unhealthy relationships, uh, using drugs, drinking alcohol. I needed to stop disrespecting and hurting my parents. <laughs> The pursuit of freedom turned out to be very painful. But by the grace of God, I began to lay it down and look to Jesus to define who I was. Sorry, my parents are here, so that's a thing. <laughs> I didn't tear up this morning in Surrey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Even though there was a specific turning point, a moment of repentance and surrender, it was just the beginning of my journey. So here I am 25 years later and I'm still learning how to follow and I still fall prey to the patterns of this world. I still find that my identity is often in things other than Jesus, like being a mom or being a wife or being a leader in our church, being a friend. Um, when I find myself failing in one of these roles, whether it's losing patience with my kids, 
being distant from my husband and not wanting to be intimate or having time for friends or dropping the ball on planning kids' church or communications, the list goes on. I feel like I lay down my life um, every day for the above roles, yet sometimes I find myself exhausted, growing weary, um, rather than feeling full of God's spirit. When I'm tired and weary or start to become bitter or resentful, it's tempting to try to remedy the situation and how I'm feeling, as if the problem needs, as if that's how the problem needs to be solved. Um, but I think things like, okay, if only my kids were not so needy and annoying. Uh, if only I had more time to spend with my husband without my kids. <laughs> I need to find more time so I can be a better friend. Why can't I ever get to the bottom of this to-do list? It's never ending. Um, if only I had a nanny and someone to clean my house. <laughs> Help me with all of this. But over these years, um, God has also been teaching me to reflect and respond differently. What has proven to be the most helpful, actually helpful, not most helpful, the helpful thing is lifting my eyes up to God and looking to him for answers. God, what do you want to say to me? What is the purpose of what I'm doing? Am I doing all of this for your glory? Or am I doing all of these things for my own strength so that I can feel good about myself? Oh, I forgot my Bible. Okay, you open your Bibles. I have the Bible verses here. I was going to demonstrate how to open a Bible. (laughs) Um, It's okay, I'll read. But if you want to take a moment to open your Bible, Galatians 2.20. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about all of this. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Sounds a little extreme. Um, How can we no longer live but have Christ live in us? Here's what I've been learning as I've been meditating on this verse, so we're going to go through it piece by piece. So, crucified with Christ. Jesus was crucified. He physically died and he rose from the dead. He gave all of himself, and this was part of God's plan. Shocking. So God is actually asking us to do the same, which seems scary, but it's good news. He asked his very son, who didn't deserve to be crucified, to die, Um, but he also resurrected him. So we don't have to fear losing ourselves um, because I'm pretty sure God wants us to be resurrected. Um, So how does that work? So the next part, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. God wants us to die to ourselves, which doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have a physical body anymore, but he's talking about our soul, our will, emotions, like the essence of who we are. We die to our selfish ambition um, and our pursuit of becoming our best self. Um, The beauty is that we actually don't lose anything when we gain identity in Christ. We don't lose, we win. Um, So you might be maybe finding yourself in a place where you're hanging on 
to things like I was or still am in different areas. Maybe you're thinking, what about the things that make me special that I care about? God gave us unique characteristics, talents, abilities, um, interests. The truth is we don't lose these things when we follow Jesus. We use them to follow Jesus. We use them but for God's glory. Our uniqueness determines how we serve God and how he will use us. But it's not what should define us. It's not what we put our hope in. When we're filled with God's spirit, our motive changes. We become motivated by love because Christ's love compels us. And his love is abundant. It's unlimited. It's always accessible. So we can always walk in this way um, if we walk with him. Um, It's accessible, yeah, if we don't get in the way. (laughs) So... Next part, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So we still have a body. It's complicated. There's genetics. We're aging. Well, maybe not me, but you. (laughs) Um, But I am. It's true. So, but what we do with our body matters. Um, The Bible says our body is a vessel for the Holy Spirit. Like, God created us this way, so it matters, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's amazing how easily we forget this truth, that what we do with our bodies and our actions matter. I think most of us get distracted from the main purpose of our body. We tend to put a lot of value into the state of our physical body. Perhaps it's the biggest thing that we find identity in. Um, I'm just curious, how many of you are content with your body? You can show of hands. Oh, there's no hands. Very interesting. Have you ever thought about ways to lose weight or how to become more fit or toned? Um, Show of hands. Yeah, okay, every hand needs to go up. (laughs) I'm sure. Um, Or you've just struggled to feel discouraged uh, and felt discouraged. But anyway, these are not bad things, caring about taking care of our body. We know that eating healthy and exercise, like that's what's good for our body. That affects us. That helps us live a healthy life. It affects us mentally, emotionally, and it's all connected, right? Um, But the real question is, do we care more about being healthy because we want to honor God and bless bless others? Is that why we care? Or do we just want to feel better about ourselves because it'll feel good to look good and feel good? Um, (laughs) Pat ourselves on the back. Um, You know feel good in our bathing suit in the summer. Newsflash, sorry, I just, comic relief, but it's really true. A friend told me recently, it's summer, there's a beach, and you have a body. You have a beach body, okay? So in case you think you don't have a beach body, you do. Just go to the beach with your body, okay? (laughs) 
But seriously, is your identity wrapped up in how you feel physically and how you look? Oh man, we all struggle with that. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 10 says, therefore we are always confident and know. Okay, wait, whoa. We are always confident. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Okay. The encouragement will come. (laughs) But it's interesting that to be at home in the body means that we're away from the Lord. So I did a little bit of reading about this. Um, And the meaning of the words at home actually refers to being on earth rather than being in heaven. So it's not necessarily being inside our body and how we feel about ourselves, but it's like our, our location. But it also is about the location of God. <laughs> so our proximity to him, closeness to him. So if we're not at home in our body, then we're able to be close to the Lord, even though we're not yet with him in heaven. Um, And in case you don't know what closeness looks like with Jesus, it means that you sense his presence, you hear his voice, you know his spirit. Um, Closeness results in us being able to see him and see who we are in him as he sees us. So we live by faith, not by sight. Um, That was also from our first verse, Galatians 2.20. I live by faith in the Son of God. So what does it mean to live by faith? We look to God to define us and lead us. So he is our source of truth. You may have heard this said before. Thank you, Pastor Greg. (laughs) What is your source? Is it a reliable source? Um, Is it your own ideas? Is it our culture? Is it your circumstances, your friends or family? Are those things worthy of defining you and leading your life? Um, No. (laughs) Living by faith does not mean that we get the benefit of just having him join us in our life. I mean, we really miss out if that's what it's about. because then maybe it's just about to make our lives better um, or we feel better about ourselves because it's like, oh, we've got got some truth over here and feel good about going to church. Um, It's not about that. It's about letting him lead and having us follow him. It's the difference between believing in Jesus and having him be Lord of our lives. It's like the analogy of the chicken and the egg. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But it's that cycle. Like when we look to God and we see truth, we see who he is, we can be secure in who we are. And when we walk securely in his truth and who we are, we look to him. And it's this wonderful cycle of walking with him, laying down ourselves and having him fill us up. Um, Romans 12, 1 to 2 Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, we see the the instruction about offering our bodies to God and what faith looks like. This is how we worship him. We can't trust the world. We can't trust ourselves. God actually commands us to not conform to the pattern of this world. Culture, circumstances are always changing. So how can we look to what is around us for security and significance? Isn't he the one who created it all anyway? (laughs) Right? We're looking to the creation instead of the creator. It doesn't make sense. Um, So finishing off Galatians 2.20, he loved me and gave himself for me. God not only created us with a purpose, but it was motivated by love. So when we consider who God is and believe that he is loving, we can trust that he knows what is best for us because he's the God of love. Um, so speaking of creation, have, I'm pretty sure, Pastor Greg, it was you at least once who gave this analogy, and I could be wrong, but the, the chair and the carpenter. So, and it's kind of silly because, you know, chairs don't talk. And, but uh, you're a carpenter and you want to build a chair, and what is a chair for? sitting, maybe different types of sitting, but it's a chair, right? So the carpenter knows the purpose of what he's building. He's like, I'm building a chair for this person, that purpose, that's why I'm building it. So what if the chair protested and said, I want to be a lamp, or I would like to be skis? Uh, It would not work very well. It's a bit of an identity crisis for the chair. (laughs) So, the chair would not make a good lamp. It would not give good light or look nice on your bedside table. Um, it probably would not do a good job of taking you down the ski hill. It is not meant for those things. Um, the chair could not fulfill its purpose um, if it's trying to be something other than what it's created for. Um, I think the chair would be frustrated, discouraged, not to mention underutilized, undervalued. Um, Galatians 2.21, so we're going to the next part of our Galatians verse. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. God is not asking us to work harder to figure this all out, to do better with what we've been given, or to be secure in our strengths and abilities and talents. Um, righteousness is actually about right relationship with God. If we set aside the grace of God, then Christ died for nothing. That's not good. (laughs) Um, So we have God's grace. We don't set it aside. He actually empowers us to walk out this life Um, as who we are and who he intended us to be. Um, And more about grace, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself, it is a gift from God, not by works, 
so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God created us with a purpose. In case you don't know, um, I didn't know for a while. I remember being a young Christian and going to YWAM and people would be like, you're going to do great things for God. And, and for years I was like, what is the great thing? <laughs> it's supposed to happen. What's it going to be? Um, your purpose is to know God, to be known by him to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with others. And yes, we do that in our unique ways as ourself, doing the things that God gives us to do because we're created in Christ for good works, um, but we're not saved by that. That's not what defines us. So um, mm -hmm. we have weaknesses and God allows that because then we need him. He allows us to never get it all together. Um, that is really good news. <laughs> we can let go of having it all figured out and planned out and understanding his plan because um, we actually want his grace. His word says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Um, so we can boast all the more in our weaknesses because <laughs> Christ's power is made perfect. But that is truth. That's what the Bible says. Um, so, hmm. So when we gain his perspective, um, we don't look to the world for our validation. So if I become a better mother, a better wife, a better friend, a better leader, um, but it's not because of God's grace, it's about having a better life, then it's just still about me, right? If it seems like I'm doing all of those things for other people, it can still be all about me and feeling better about myself and creating a better life for myself. Um, and I will get tired, I do get tired and weary and bitter my family can attest when I'm running on my own strength and losing sight of the bigger picture, I can be a grumpy bear. It's not pleasant for anyone. My children even joked about it in my Mother's Day card this morning. <laughs> Mom, you are loving and blah, 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 all these nice things, and sometimes a little scary, but I love you. <sighs> I can be scary. I know you haven't seen that side of me, but Nate knows. How about you? Can you see the things in your life that define you? Is it your work? Whether you love it and are proud of it, or whether you dislike it and begrudge it and do not want to identify with it? Is it your relationships, your friends, colleagues, your spouse, your children? Is it your health, fitness, your physique? Maybe it's serving the Lord and doing all the good things and all the right things. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Freedom equals being defined by God and saved by his grace for a greater purpose than your own. 
So he frees us so that we can truly walk with him and know him and serve him. That's the purpose. So it's, it says it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. The purpose is to, to walk with God fully, fully known. Um, yeah, however he leads and imperfectly. <laughs> but um, what are we free from? I think it's not just a feeling of freedom, right? Um, we're actually free from the burdens of this world, expectations of our culture to be a certain way, to what success looks like in our culture. Um, I don't know, as a mother, like, are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? Are you going to have more kids? Well, it's always the next thing. What is our culture telling us um, matters? And, and then we look to that and we compare um, mm-hmm. isn't comparison terrible? <laughs> it's not helpful. Um, thinking about this, like, message, I just was thinking about how it's really quite silly that we compare ourselves with each other when we know that we're all very different genetically, um, like right off the bat, we're all different from each other and we have different upbringings and life experiences. We carry out our life differently and yet we constantly compare ourselves to each other and then feel like we fall short or maybe feel good about ourselves. Whatever it is, um, we still look to all of these things to define us and not to Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it robs us of joy. Freedom looks like joy, having peace um, with who we are and where we're at. So, um, mm -hmm. how can we practice this dying to self? <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing for me, I was reflecting on the journey that I described from um, being a youth to, you know, different stages and motherhood. Um, I think the biggest thing for me and maybe for all of us is knowing God's word and his truth. How can we, um, that verse, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? I don't think we can be transformed um, without God's truth. And we can't know his truth if we don't look at it we don't read it, we don't speak it out, um, if we don't get it in our hearts, it's not going to come up when we need it. The amount of times that I am like walking out the door and, you know, frustrated and I just declare some truth or something is not going well and I can say, God works out all things for the good of those who love him, you know. Um, mostly I say, like, in my weakness, he is strong. <laughs> feeling weak, and I'm like, okay, God, I don't actually even have to feel strong, but you are strong, and so I can lean on you and your strength and who you are, but I look to him, so I just want to encourage you. Do you read your Bible? Do you open God's Word? Um, if that's hard for you, there's audio Bible. There's apps. Um, worship music. Um, I listen to worship music to the point of nauseam for my family, I think. But I need it because I need God's truth 
especially when I'm driving in the car with my children. <laughs> I need to hear God's truth and it changes my heart. It gives me perspective. It helps me walk with him and be reminded to lay down my own agenda, my um, expectations. Um, I find that when uh, I actually lay down my agenda, I enjoy things more. I referred this morning to driving my kids around. Our kids are at the age, they've got a lot of after-school activities and sometimes there's lots of driving and coordinating. And I remember a few years ago feeling like, oh, I hate driving around. <laughs> but I needed to work that through. And, and I remember God being like, why are you doing this? You don't need to do that. I could, I could choose to stop. Would that be the solution? Less driving around will be better. No, it was my heart. And I wasn't willing to serve my kids and my family. And I was worried about, you know, my own self. I will say, um, I don't think we need to become martyrs and <laughs> say yes to everything. There's faith and discernment. And I don't want my message to say, die to yourself and do everything put before you because I have to tell you, it takes great faith to say no. And I am a yes person. And, and so I want to do all the things all the time. <laughs> I want to be able to do it all. And I can't, we can't. And so it takes faith to say no and recognize what I'm called to do and know that that doesn't define me. I can't do that thing or join that thing. Um, I don't have enough time or capacity or whatever it is. That also requires faith. So anyway, um, I just want to encourage you tonight to consider, to ask God those questions. What is it um, that I'm putting my faith in, my hope in, um, that I'm letting define me? Is it you, God? Is there something I need to let go of? Um, and it might feel scary to let go, um, but it's actually the safest place to be. When we let go, that's when we can fully be held by God and led by him in the hands of the one who created us and knows what he created you for <laughs> and what he wants to do with his creation He's able to lead us um, in his love and by his grace. So that's that. Let's pray. <sighs> Father God, hmm, thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us, your power made perfect in our weakness. Um, thank you that you long to reveal yourself and you do so in kindness, that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. That as we consider the things that tie us down or frustrate us or, I don't know, whatever it is, um, would you reveal to us what that is and show us your goodness, that we what we're turning away from and letting go is only what hinders us and holds us back. It's the things that break relationship with you and others. And we actually turn to you because you are kind and good and you draw us into your light 
and lead us in your love. And so we look to you, God. Um, I pray that we would all look to you. You are the author of our faith, um, the author of our lives, and we long to be found in you and walk in that security and significance that only you can provide. So thank you, Father. Amen.